Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging your success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast. We've got a very interesting and special mini-sode for you guys today. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Michelle. Hi, everyone. And we just released two podcasts called Crafting Your Desired Lifestyle. And in that podcast, we really dissected on how to get clarity on what you as an individual are really looking to curate as your day-to-day, your week-to-week, even your month-to-month lifestyle, and how to really get clear on what it is on an individual level that makes it actually fulfilling to you. And in that process, I shared my story about Michelle and I's adventure as we just got back from our honeymoon adventure for four months and Actually, the Desired Lifestyle podcast episodes were actually recorded while we were in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So some of the feedback that we got after that episode was really asking us for some more logistics, some more details. What we did get was a lot of feedback about how many people were really interested in doing something like this. And for a lot of them, it just seemed kind of like so far out of realm they would like to know, okay, what was your process? What did you do? How did you set up your steps? How did you prep for it? How did you basically get your life in a way that allowed you to take this extended time off? The age of most of our community getting two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, or five weeks off, it can be a little bit of a stretch to even imagine taking four months off. And I have to say, we're just incredibly blessed to have actually had that experience. And, you know, I keep thinking of for our work week with Tim Ferriss and he keeps talking about the new rich and, and being able to almost have these experiences while you're still, you know, able-bodied and have finances and, you know, still be able to have these adventures at this age. And, you know, what we noticed while we were traveling was people that were actually doing very similar things. They were out for six months, seven months, you know, even maybe a year sabbatical as a couple. Most of them were in their mid to early 20s or late 50s, 60s or older. And there was very few people in their 30s and 40s. So, you know, today we'd like to go over just, you know, some of the little things that we did to incorporate into our trip. And and hopefully that'll be of some value to you. Uh, And so I'll kind of kick it off to Michelle and she can maybe explain some of the the prep work that we did in order for us to get here. Yeah, when both of us knew and had decided that we wanted to do an extended trip like this, um, actually, both both of us traveling has been one of the most fulfilling things in our lives individually before we were a couple. And then once we became a couple. And so we decided that we really wanted to do uh, a long honeymoon and probably about two years ago. And at that time, I decided to hire a financial advisor. And I will say is probably the most essential logistical thing that I did to help make the trip happen. So I, I love accountability. And so that really worked for me. And she was amazing. We ended up uh, getting some influence from 
some books, uh, Tony Robbins and from Dave Ramsey and some of their podcasts. And we created uh, what we called a dream fund. And I set up an account on Synchrony Bank. And that was going to be my uh, savings account for travel specifically. So we set that up and we put an automatic savings on there. And I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, how and what we budgeted for the actual trip and how, you know, how do we decide how much we're going to save. So that was, um, we set that up and that was instrumental. And then we knew that we didn't know exactly when we would be able to take the trip. Right. We always had an idea that we, that we wanted to travel. I think that was something that we were always... We always, I think, I think because we always had that shared vision of like, oh, I'd love to do this with you someday. And I think from the moment we even started like really getting serious in the beginning, like we always had this, this really grand vision, but we always kept it kind of loose. But I think in our heart of hearts, and I won't speak for you, but I always kind of knew that that's something that we would always do. I just really had no idea when it would be. I just, I was like, this woman loves to travel. She's lived in Japan. I know that. I'm going to do something big like this because it's interesting. I've always had this vision that I would do something like this um, with a significant other, with my wife. I just had no idea when that would be. We had so many other things going on in our lives, like building businesses and and, and starting a family and all these other things. But uh, yeah, had no idea. But I always knew that it would happen. Yeah. You know, I always knew that it would happen. I just, you know, had no idea when it would be. And so, so when would you say, we actually started thinking a little bit more concrete. Would you say it would be about two years ago? I think so. Yeah. yeah. We, that we made the solid decision a couple of years ago. And then basically kind of waiting, like you said, with the different life things, things happening in our life, when would be that right time? So that, but that we would be ready so that when yeah. the opportunity presented itself, yeah. then we could just pull the trigger and we'd yeah. be ready. Yeah. So for me, I came up to a career transition period and I was able to take a 10 month sabbatical. So for me, it was the perfect time to be able to take a break and to be able to um, fulfill this lifelong dream. Yeah, that's great. And so in terms of being able to take this time, uh, at least for me, I own a couple companies and I have actually been living the digital nomad lifestyle where you basically can live and earn income on the road. And so that's something that I had been doing for quite a while. And that was one of the main intentions that I had when I started my business. And if you listen to, I can't remember the podcast episode, but it was a couple of podcasts prior to this, but I explained my process and being able to do that. But essentially I wanted to make sure that I wasn't accountable in having to be in a physical location in order to, to earn income. And so for me, it was just a process of getting everything ready in order to get the life set up. Since most of my business is done electronically, it was basically having all the correct software loaded onto my computer. And then the other piece of the puzzle is what are some of the items that we're going to need as we start to move on this trip? And one of them is obviously the finances, and, and Michelle talked about that. The second one is is the timing. And, you know, we talked about that where she was kind of opening up for that right opportunity for her to do her sabbatical. And I was, I was basically ready. I just needed about a month in order to do that. But the other two big pieces of the logistics was our house, then our cats. If you guys have any pets out there, um, what we did do is we leveraged and we leveraged our house. And so we were able to 
offer it through community members. So we had someone in the community be able to take care and, and help with the rent. And so we know the house was taken care of. And then we also had two really good friends who are kind of like the godfather, godmother of uh, our cats. So we knew that the pets were taken over. And so that was really nice. And so I, you know, those are some of the big logistics as far as, okay, what needed to be really prepped in order for us to, to kind of make this transition yeah, a couple other things that we did was to, you're an entrepreneur and I was on sabbatical, so we needed to set up new health insurance. Oh, yeah. And we decided to, we, we did a lot of research and we decided on going ahead with a health share program, which was called Liberty. And it was, gosh, I think $150 a month each. And what was really nice about them is they covered us for our travel insurance as well. So the only thing we would have to do is convert our invoices into English, heaven forbid, if something were to happen while we were traveling. Uh, But it was a really significant savings, especially here in California, health insurance is is very expensive. So that was one one thing we did around budget. And then another thing we did was um, I sold my car. And we had two cars and living in San Francisco, you just don't need two vehicles. So we sold one of my cars, which was very helpful. And then a third thing we did was we were able to set up a couple of different air miles programs. And I don't think we paid for a single flight while we were traveling. And we probably went on about 20 different flights. So we had two of the big programs were a Sapphire Reserve credit card and also the American Express Platinum card. And I think we got 100,000 points for each. So we had close to 500,000 points air miles before uh, before traveling. So I think we even had some left over. So we yeah. were able to really leverage and use that as part of our budget planning. Yeah, that was really nice. And the one thing I will say about air miles, that's something that I've been working on for quite a while. And I kind of geek out on, you know, getting miles and, and, and my goal. And it's kind of this, this fun goal that I have is to really never have to pay for another flight again. That doesn't obviously always happen, but we were, you know, we did quite well when we went to Asia and all these other countries. And that really, really worked out well. And what I can say about that is look for good offers that come up. Um, always get them in different names so you and your wife can both get or you and your significant other can both get the the bonuses Mm -hmm. separately and have different cards because I started off I think I had like something like 200,000 miles on American Airlines which I absolutely do not recommend their flights were absolutely terrible so we were able to utilize a couple flights with them, but the rest of the flights we couldn't even use with them. So having the flexibility of using these other cards were really great. The other thing that I would say is, along with some of these other cards, is they actually give you access to airport lounges like the Centurion Lounge or Priority Pass or whatever it happens to be. And we've had airline passes, lounge passes before domestically and we used them a couple times but to be honest most of the time we didn't even get to utilize them that much but they were heaven sent they were so fantastic while we were traveling we would actually look forward to getting to the airport early just so we can go to the lounges some of them had like free massages and whatnot so they were such a great perk when you're traveling and what it does is it it really helps kind of like revive you highly highly recommend getting lounge pass yeah and then i think some of the things that we planned for during the trip in terms of budgeting so there's a budget 
to prep for the trip and then there's the budget during the trip. Um, so one thing I did is I worked with my financial advisor to just do a rough estimate on what it may cost us per day to travel. So we estimated about $200 a day and over a four month period that would be about $25,000. So I had that set up in my separate travel dream fund and Scott and I were pretty much in agreement on where we wanted to travel. Both of us had individually traveled to many countries and there were a number of countries in Southeast Asia that neither of us had been to. So we were really excited and agreed pretty quickly on where to go together. What is nice about Southeast Asia is it is very inexpensive to travel. So we were able to get really great deals on hotels. Really, it was very inexpensive to eat out. And also, as we were um, doing various ex tours and experiences, they were inexpensive as well. So that was very helpful. Except New Zealand was definitely more expensive. We were we were very surprised once we, we knew it would be more expensive, but we were surprised that in some cases, some things like groceries were more expensive than San Francisco, if you can believe it. But what we did there is we were able to, we rented an RV for the whole month instead of staying in hotels. And then we also cooked ourselves in the RV instead of eating out at restaurants. So those were a couple of things that were helpful. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest questions that we had was, you know, how did you really decide on the itinerary? And we had a rough idea of where we wanted to go. You know, one of the reasons why we went to Asia was because for us, it was a very magical place. We had a rough idea where we wanted to go. It was all of Indochina, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Bali, Thailand, and then, you know, down to New Zealand and looking at Fiji and Bora Bora. So we had, we had kind of a group of places that we wanted to go to. And then we kind of decided as we went. And so that was one of our big things. We bought a one-way ticket. We bought a one-way ticket to uh, Hanoi in Vietnam. And that was the only flight that we got pre-vacation or pre-departure. We looked into getting a round-the-world flight. There was two things on that. One of them, we had a bunch of air miles. So that really didn't make sense for us financially. And the second one was you really had to coordinate the times prior and that just didn't sit really well with us. And as we kind of sit here and reflect on our experience on the trip, I have to say one of the most enjoyable things was really being able to navigate. You know, we had a couple of countries and we're like, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to leave a little bit sooner. And then we had a couple other ones like Vietnam where we ended up staying a lot longer. And so it was really, really nice to be able to have that flexibility. Now, not everyone is like that. The vast majority of our travel was not on tours. You know, I think we did a couple little tours here and there, but for the most part, we were really free flowing and that felt, that felt really, really good to us. I think one of the reasons we were pretty lucky with being able to be spontaneous and plan as we went was because we were traveling a little bit more in the what they call the shoulder season or oh, in yeah. some areas the low season. So I'm not sure what it would have been like in the high season, but what we did is in a lot of cases we wouldn't book our hotels until a couple of days before we were going to be in that new destination. So we were we were pretty lucky. We were able to get um, you know, great places and book them last minute. So we would actually recommend looking at traveling in the shoulder low seasons. Yeah, yeah. I have to say traveling on the shoulder season probably made our trip that much that much more enjoyable. And so, you know, when I look at the prep for this, now 
Michelle had a little bit of a loser schedule because she was on sabbatical, but you know, I was still working. And so, you know, the question I get is like, how did I really set up my, you know, my practice, if you will, because I was still doing coaching calls. I was still taking in clients. I was still uh, doing the podcast. Everything I had set up digitally and everything basically ran over the internet. I would do all my calls to home via Skype. So I needed to make sure that I actually had these extra days and time to be able to work on these projects. And so when we were in a city and something did come up, we had the flexibility to be able to stay somewhere. I mean, we were touring around the temples of Angkor Wat and Angkor Tom in, in Cambodia and Siem Reap, and we had planned on being there for maybe four days, maybe five days at the most. And I had a couple of things come up for my business that I had to attend to. We ended up staying there for, I think, like seven or eight days. And it was so nice to be able to have that flexibility and also know that we weren't going to lose money to miss a flight or we had these other things that we had booked that were non-refundable. So that really helped with the flow. As far as other preps that I needed, you know, like I say, most of my stuff is online. Having a SIM card was absolutely paramount. And I know this is almost a given right now when, when people travel. And I know that there's some people that want to kind of disconnect and unplug. But for for me, the benefit of being a digital nomad is kind of a double-edged sword, meaning it's hard for me to take like a 10-day shavasana and um, be able to not speak or be off the internet for an extended period of time. But what it does allow me is it allows me to travel for six months out of the year and have you know, beautiful rice fields or like beautiful clear blue beaches be my office. And so that was, that's kind of the sacrifice that I happened to make. And so I had to make sure that there was times in order for me to have what's called these buffer days. And, you know, we did do little excursions, you know, where we would go into the jungles of Borneo and we would do trekking looking for uh, orangutans and certain apes. And I knew that those are things that you obviously had to hire an experienced guide and they were two to three day adventure and I knew that I was pretty much going to be without internet. So what I also knew was not to book those back to back and give myself a little bit of space. So when there was those times that I was offline, that it wouldn't be too detrimental, which I guess goes to the other part of how I set this up is using technology, autoresponders, all of that stuff is fantastic, but there is weight and gold of having some help. And, you know, I do have people that work for me uh, all, all on a part time basis. But what I do have is I have an amazing personal assistant. She's able to handle some stuff, make calls when I'm not available. And so a lot of times I'll have things routed through her and have her respond during normal work hours when it's not a 13-hour time difference or 9-hour time difference. So having a private virtual assistant, whether it's someone that's just doing internet-based stuff, but my recommendation is get somebody that is you know, maybe part-time but is somewhat locally based. And when I say locally, I'm talking North America, someone that speaks the language really well that allows you to be able to respond in a time zone in which things would need to be respond to. That I found really, really helpful. As far as everything else, I didn't have anything 
more techy than I guess my podcasting microphone and my laptop. Um, you know, and along with all the other travel gear, it would, I mean, that was basically it. And of course your iPhone or your smartphone or wherever it happens to be, just make sure that it's unlocked before you get there because you will be swapping in SIM cards left and right. Oh, and one other thing on the SIM card, what we did was we kind of diversified our carrier. So she would have top one. I would have the second top one as far as coverage is concerned. So if one of our SIM cards or phones didn't work, the other one did. So we really kind of like leveraged um, our cell phones and the, the, the SIM cards that way. And so I'm thinking, you know, that's probably the vast majority of, of how we set everything up. And then as far as the rest of the itinerary, you know, again, those buffer days weren't just really used for me to work, but what it also did was it allowed both of us to not get travel fatigue. It's really hard to travel. It's really hard to tour. It's really hard to go to a lot of these sites when it's just ridiculous humidity, (laughs) you know, 102 degrees out. These buffer days allow you to rest and recharge. And part of our process is when we were looking at this six-month adventure, we really looked at it from a macro level and really asked ourselves, what would make this trip fulfilling to us? And we looked at a few different examples and we really sat into it and we, we, we really felt into it. And we looked at a few different scenarios and one of them was, okay, we could see all these great different countries. We can go to all these great different temples. But as many of you know, if you've ever been to Angkor Wat, you get templed out pretty fast. Going to the, you know, the same place three days in a row, going, 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 you have what's called like the, the law of diminishing returns. And so part of our process was we really wanted to nest. And so you know, places like Pai, Thailand, which is this beautiful little hippie village in the north uh, mountains of Thailand, we really used that time to sit and rent a place. We were like right on a farm for I think it was two weeks and we had a place booked in Bali for six weeks where we were just going to nest and do projects uh, that got sidetracked because of the uh, the whole volcano thing but we really wanted to kind of be with um, our travel and so I think that is what really made it a little bit more sustainable to us Um, you know we rented an RV as Michelle said in New Zealand and you know that became our home and that process really became part of our enjoyment and part of the actual experience more than just the places that we actually went to. So I think those are just a a few items off the top of our heads of, you know, how we really prepped. And so those are just a few of the things off the top of our head that we used to prep and really make this trip happen. And so if any of you guys have any additional questions or any inquiries on you know maybe specifics feel free to message us at podcast at masteringfulfillment.com or feel free to contact us at masteringfulfillment.com we'll be sure to answer any questions that you have any closing thoughts if any of you have any insights or tips on how to prepare for an experience like this uh, we would love to hear from you as well yeah, any good feedback we get, we're more than happy to relay it on to the listeners. But, you know, thanks everyone for listening. And again, what me and Michelle are doing is we're really looking at, like, how are we crafting our ideal lifestyle in partnership? Really kind of asking ourselves, like, what's 
fulfilling to us right now in the moment and travel was a big part of it. And so this is always a constant evaluation. Until the next podcast with deep respect and much love. Thanks so much. Visit us at masteringfulfillment.com for other podcasts such as these. Or if you're looking to take your personal fulfillment to another level, feel free to get in contact with either myself or Joshua Warner.